there was no way I could rush down to Enugu and catch the flight to Abuja and get to Kaduna. So Kaduna people will not receive that anointing for that weekend. Unfortunately, by Wednesday, I'm supposed to be in Susan's so place in East Africa. I can't get, so I'm going. So that's it. All other invitations canceled until I come back from East Africa. And I showed to him that two days to get to where I'm going, I'm preaching for two days and three days to return. That is not efficiency. Five days journey to preach for two days. I know with the Lord, money is nothing. It costs him just as much, all right, to give you 10,000 naira to fuel your car and to fuel a jet to carry you there and back. To him, it's nothing. Both of them is... It blows, and that's it. So I, if I show that to him, and I show that that happens all the time, Ravi Zakaria says he spends two-thirds of his life flying. I don't know what I get what I'm saying. Two-thirds, if he's alive for 30 hours, 20 hours is in a plane. Between airports and planes, 20 hours. If such a man flies economy, he will die and go on raising from the dead. He will just die. One day, cloths will detach from his legs, lodge in his lungs, and the man is gone. The man spends two-thirds of his life in an airport or on a plane. The other one-third includes when he will stay in hotels, he's teaching, he's preaching. I don't need to tell you that he spends very little time in his own home. And the man will tell you that it's, it's a sacrifice for ministry. He doesn't like it. It's when you have not traveled, you think the man is enjoying flying up and down. Look, once you enter that plane, you're like, pilot, please, when are you coming down? The happiest moment is when it touches ground. Another journey over. There is nothing glorious about it. There is nothing exciting. It's just transportation. I hope you're getting my point here. A man like Ravi Zacharias, if tomorrow God allows him to buy a Learjet because he needs to sleep, you know, there are different levels of jets. Now, I'm not going to explain something to us here. All right, let's get back to it. So you see, all those things, they are tools for people. So if you sincerely ask the Lord for them, and you can easily explain why it is important, you know the truth? He will do it. Please, I'm emphasizing something here. Whatever we do, our primary mindset must be I must maximize the expression of the gift of God that is inside me. I must. He's coming back and he's judging those things. He's going to judge them. And many times people just leave. Why? They find comfort. And they're not concerned about irrelevance. How relevant are you to what God is doing on the earth? Ask yourself that question all the time. There are people just out there just... Just living life so that one day me too, I will buy a car, I will build a decent house, I can carry my children all over the world. Those are the people that get destroyed in the flood when the, Noah, the, the waters of Noah comes up again. Irrelevant lives. No. We must have a different mindset. We must have a different mindset. Now, so I just dropped that. I'm, I'm actually going somewhere. I'm going to finish this today. So you see, the Lord needs his people he needs us. And what I, we have been studying that uh, Revelation chapter 3. I want us to just read another portion. I've sp- spoken this far to establish the fact that he has gone to take the kingdom, but he must have his slaves, his servants, his bond servants, 
who are able to rule over cities. Now, quickly open to that Revelation chapter 3 and then hold it there and hold, go to Revelation chapter Revelation chapter 17. Hold 3. And I just flip over for a few moments into Revelation chapter 17. I want to read a portion there which I believe many of us are acquainted with. It says from verse um, 8. Now, I'm going to read from 8, but where I'm going is 14. So before I get down to 8 and 14, I'll rush. Revelation chapter 17. The beast that you saw was and is not, and is about to come up out of the abyss and to go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth, whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, we wonder when they see the beast that he was and is not and will come. He has a mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And there are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. The beast which was, now that's where I'm going, and is not, he's himself also an eighth, and is one of the seven. And it goes to destruction. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom. But they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose. And they give their power and authority to the beast. Now verse 14, like I said, that's where I'm coming to. These will wage war against the lamb. And the lamb will overcome them because he is the lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him are the called and chosen and faithful. Now I'm going to stop reading here, there. Now I read all of this to bring out an issue here. Now there are two sides to look at this. You can look at this from the prophetic angle. And you can also look at it from the principal angle. What I mean is this. The prophetic angle is that. This is going to happen when John was seeing this. An event is going to take place. But it's another side to it. That's the principal angle. That this is how life is. For example, you will see there is an antichrist, Trophos. But John tells us also that many antichrists have already come. So the antichrist spirit is always there. You understand? That's what I mean by this. There's a principle to it. You may see, like, uh, I, I mean, I heard Pastor Kim preaching earlier, praying earlier, that Jesus will come. There are two sides to it, he said. There's, he will come one day. But actually, every once in a while, he returns to our lives. So there is a principle of Jesus coming regularly to check on us. That's the principle side. There's also a prophetic side. So I want to look at it from the principle side here. That is, in life, there is a battle going on. There are kings of this earth. And what they do is to give their authority. You see what he says there. He said they receive authority. Verse 13. These have one purpose. They give their power and authority to the beast. That's just the way life is. When Satan wants to have effect on the earth, he has to get people to give him their power and their authority. Don't ever forget one thing. Satan does not have power and authority in himself He has to get it from people that God has granted it to. The power belongs to God. Nobody can have power or authority except God allows him to have it. Or in fact, gives it to him. He rules in the affairs of men and gives the kingdom to whosoever he wishes. And sets upon them the lowliest of all. It belongs to God. 
Now, when God gives you power and authority, you know the truth? He doesn't force you to use it to serve him. He now asks you. He will not ask you, use this thing I have given you to serve me. I don't know whether you are getting my point. He gives you power and authority. But he does not compel you to use it to serve him. But he requests of you to do it. What I'm going to say is that it's therefore possible to use it to serve other gods. I'll give you a few examples from the Bible. Ahab had power and authority in Israel. As a king in Israel, your primary duty was to enforce righteousness, make sure God is served. But what did Ahab do? He served the God of Jezebel. God called Jeroboam. He gave him power and authority. What did he use it to do? He built abominations in Israel. And God didn't just immediately withdraw it. He allowed it to run a course before he took it from him. So that's how life is. Now, these ten kings, the Bible says that they receive power and authority also. But what do they do? And that is what happens all the time. Satan now goes to them and negotiates. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, true of us. Of course, you know the story, you know? But after that, what happened? He went into the wilderness. For what purpose? To be tempted of the devil. And what was the temptation? Look at it. It was so that Satan could collect his power and authority. That's just the way it works. Satan wanted to collect his power and authority. And if Jesus had bowed to Satan, he would have returned out again, healing the sick. Believe me, he would have healed the sick. He would have cleansed the lepers. Except at the end of the day, where will he give the glory to? Is not the problem. And just by the way, many preachers today, that's what happened. They receive power and authority, they receive an anointing, and they start using it to serve other things. It happens. It can happen to anybody. So we have to be careful in our lives that we ensure that the power and authority that God gives to us is used only to serve him. People get money. What do they use it to do? So when people get money, because they are so rich, they now realize that, ah, getting young, young girls is not hard. Yes, because 100000 to the man is no money. So the little 19-year-old girl, ah, do you know how much work she has to do to get 100000 She's working the filling station. There was a time they were paying those girls less than it took to fill my tank. I don't know about... No, I'm not joking. That's not supposed to be an exaggeration. So, a man that has money, he now decides that these young girls who are struggling and hustling, and this, the people he wants to corrupt. That is what is called giving your power and authority to the beast. That's what it means. Look, some people are waiting to go and buy shigidi and kneel down. Oh, Bazebob, we worship thee. No, they are worshiping him every day. Every time they take their money and turn that girl morally because they can easily give her a hundred thousand they are worshipping Satan. No, that's how it works. That's how it works. That's how it works. So in life, God gives us power and authority. It's what we want to do with it. That's not the question. Now, but this one I'm going to. Now, he said that the beast will go negotiate with these people, collect their power and authority. Then he will now make war with the lamb. Are you getting my point? He said, but the lamb will overcome him. Why? Because he's king of kings and lord of lords. Look at it. That's verse um, 14. He's lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him are the called and chosen and faithful. It's just one group of people. It's not as if there's a called on one side, the chosen on the other side, and the faithful. No. Each one of them is called, is chosen, is faithful. Now, let me lay my emphasis properly there again. Again, here, he wasn't saying that Jesus will overcome them because of his power as Lord. 
Now, please, let me try and explain. He was tying it to the lords that were with him. He said, look, look at the emphasis. He said he overcome them because he's king of kings and lord of lords. Not just because he's lord, but because, because he has lords. Not just because he's king, but because he has kings. And he explained the kind of people that are his kings and his lords. He said, who are his kings? Who are his lords? They are the called, the chosen, the faithful. That is, Jesus is not going into the battle against the beast until he has amassed his own army. That's how he is going to win. I don't know whether you are getting my point here. He is going to battle when he has gathered his army. And his army, they are kings and lords, each one of them. Each one of his soldiers is a king and a lord. And he said they are known for one thing. They are called, they are chosen, and they are what? Faithful. Now you go back to where we're reading. Ephesians chapter 2. You will see, if you take it one by one, because I'm, I'm trying to hurry now because of time, you will see what the Lord was saying. That's why he was doing, going through that, um, those letters to those churches. He was explaining to them, let me use different words now. He was saying to them, I'm gathering my army. Are you getting my point? My army is an army of overcomers. That's why you see, like we've seen over the last many days on this particular subject, that each one he will say to him that overcomes. There are different things he said to the one that will overcome. We can look at them one by one. Uh, just to read it, well, it's a safe time. We can just rush through them. In chapter 2, verse 7, you say, who, he was an ear. Now, you know, we've been talking about that. It's to everybody. He was an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. What this means exactly is this. Eating of the tree of life makes them immortal against all the attacks of the enemy. I hope you are getting my point here. That, that the, the soldiers, you can't kill them. You can't defeat them in battle. Why? Before he puts them into the army, he said, I will have granted them to eat of the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. What am I going to say? God is building up his army. That's why he was writing those letters. Are, are you getting my point here? Listen, that they are going to have the power of immortality. Listen, he will say things like, verse 11, chapter two, in that chapter 2. He who has an ear, let him hear. He says, he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. These people cannot be hurt. That's the point he's making by the second death. And please understand this. He's pruning the church. He's selecting from amongst them. Listen, let me emphasize something to us here. When Gideon gathered an army, they were in thousands. God whittled them down until they were how many? 300. Now, those 300 were better for God than the, was it 30,000? Or whatever tens of thousands he started with. He found it easier to win with those 300 people than the thousands that Gideon started with. He kept on testing these people until they came down to a few, to a few in number. And the Lord is doing the same thing here for his church in today's Nigeria and in today's world. He's saying to each person, he's sending out an instruction. He's sending out correction. He's sending out trials and all kinds of things for one simple purpose so that they will be able to receive authority over 10 cities. I hope you're getting my point. So that they will be part of his army with which he will defeat the beast and his 10 kings. I hope you're getting my point. Listen, what is the book of Revelations about? The, that is this letter to the churches. It's for people to understand 
that they need to qualify themselves. You are getting my point. They need to qualify themselves by being faithful. Listen, oh God, I said I'll get to the matter of grace. Because sometimes grace is misunderstood. People think that once I put up my hand and answer an altar call, and I claim that I'm a believer, everything is now okay. And that's what grace means. No, that's not what grace means. If that was what grace meant, the whole of Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 would be meaningless. People confuse the works of the law with the work, the works of faith. The works of the law, we already explained it. Don't do this, do that, don't do this, do that, as the codes of man by which we are supposed to attain righteousness. That's not the work of faith. The works of faith are those things that prove the genuineness of our love for God and they prove the genuineness of our faith. Grace does not mean, please let's get this point. Grace does not mean that we don't have to do anything in life to qualify for certain things that God wants to do. We've read from Revelation so far to see that that's not, that cannot be so. One thing we keep on emphasizing is that, look, we don't get, listen to me, this, what the Lord is talking about here is recruiting people for the army. The fact that he showed up for enlistment does not mean you make it into the final army. And listen, once they are enlisting, Satan is also there trying to distract people. We started with looking at Jezebel in the church in Ephesus. Jezebel was standing strategically, distract these people, put something else in front of them apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Put prosperity in front of them. Put long life in front of them. Put a great ministry in front of them. Put something in front of them apart from the Lord Jesus. The duty of the Jezebel spirit is to distract people from what is important. Grace does not mean that I get the same thing as every... Because it's, it's not about something for me. It's something for me to use to be effective for God. What am I going to say here? That is, in God's army, God is not just, oh, he's a child of mine, he's a child of mine, put him in the battlefront, let him go and fight. He said, eh? This one, that when he hears gunshot, he will disappear. Please, I hope you're getting the principle. People, that's mistake people make. They think you're talking about, um, um, where people get confused is this. Somebody like me, I'll preach and I'll explain to you that you're not getting rich because of what you give. And that's the truth about grace. The truth about grace is that I'm being blessed because of what Jesus did. Are you getting my point? However, let us assume as an example. Now, this is what causes confusion for a lot of people who understand the scriptures very well. Let us assume, for example, I have a giving ministry. No, there's a giving ministry. There's a giving ministry. Paul talked about it. He said, there is he that give it. He said, there is he that teach it. And there is one that give it. Every Christian should be able to defend the faith and be able to instruct somebody. But are we all teachers? No. Every Christian in the same manner should be generous. Should be a generous giver. But not every Christian is in the giving ministry. Now, the anointing on a teacher of the word improves, I mean, from my own personal experience. Your anointing improves on a number of bases. I have a few of them. One, that you are constantly using what you have. Do you get my point? It's called exercising yourself in your gift diligently. You know, Paul wrote that in that Romans chapter 12. We have grace that differs, that is the ability, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Let each person therefore do what? Exercise his own gift accordingly. If I exercise my gift, more is poured upon me. Now, if I am in the giving ministry, I hope you're getting my point here, and I exercise my gift, you know what you will see? More money is poured towards me. People saying it's because I sold, I received. No, no. I have been empowered to do more. 
the grace of God in that area has increased in my life. Are you getting my point here? So you see, it is not for me. It is effectiveness for God that we are talking about here. So as believers, in that book of Revelations we are reading, Jesus was showing people, listen, if you don't make the right corrections in your life, you are useless to me. I don't know whether you get that point. That's why he said, look, you are neither hot nor cold. You are lukewarm. So what do I do? I spew you out of my mouth. You are useless to me. I can't count on you. I have to shut your church down. And believe me, many people have been shut down because God says that a half-baked Christian is useless to the cause of the gospel. So don't be impressed that there are many people going to church. Many people followed Gideon at the beginning. And the Lord looked and said, listen, Gideon, these people who are following you, I can't do anything with them. So we're reading through the letters in the book of Revelations. Listen to me. What God is saying is that each person, you want to work on my, on my team? You want to be a part of my army? This is what you must go through. This is how you handle your life. You will start from the beginning. The works you did at first, return to them. Return to your first love. Forsake this Jezebel. Don't tolerate wrong doctrine. Don't tolerate it. Get a retable at a point in time that when people start preaching nonsense in your ears, you gently stand up, excuse yourself, you go and ease yourself, and from there, you go home. The Lord is saying, in effect, it gets to a time. You have to take this thing, you know, if you want to buy food. Are you getting my point? You check, where is this manufactured? Is it expired? Is it good? You look at the bottle, what are the contents? If it does not agree with you, what do you do? You, you, you toss it away. You don't consume it. That if you take the Christianity you are practicing like that, it's not everything that people say into your ears that you swallow. There are times you listen to them and say, what is this man talking about? You close your ears. This is not itching ears now. You're not trying to hear that which pleases you. You are trying to hear that which is in agreement with the personality of Christ Jesus. You take your life seriously. You don't sit down and say, grace covers my sins. I told you that one of my friends, his friend defrauded him. <laughs> so he told the guy, he said, listen, my brother, your life will not be straight unless you make amends in defrauding people who return their money. You know what he said? My causes have been covered by the blood of Jesus. Did you hear that? I tip your money. Say, pastor, return my money. Say, pastor, if you don't return my money, you know, say, thief, there's a curse in the house of a thief. He say, don't say that for to me. All my curses have been washed away by the power of the blood of Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that make sense to anybody? Some people preach to me that that is grace. That's not grace. What grace does for me in that circumstance is that it gives me the power that when I see money that's not my own, no matter how hungry I am, I'll say, listen, this money is not mine. Take. I don't need it. I can bear abundance. That's what grace does for me. I can bear poverty. That's what grace does. I'm explaining something here. I walk like that, knowing that except I qualify myself, the kingdom of God cannot come the way it's supposed to come. I don't know whether I get my point. Why? Because if he doesn't have people to run the kingdoms, he's not going to return to come and deliver the kingdom to the people. Listen, let me say it again. Christians, you must live as if Without me, nothing will move forward. I don't know what I hear what I said. What I mean by that, this is not, this is not arrogance of all of you need me. If I don't preach, who will teach you what I know? That's not what I mean. The attitude must be like, ah, this work will suffer if I don't do what I'm supposed to do. I'm talking about the mindset of listener. I am important. 
Not I'm arrogantly important. All of you, you need me. No. Personally, I know hey, I am not easy for the Lord to replace. And let me say it to you. It is not easy for God to replace people. Have this attitude. Look, Christianity is interesting. You, depending on the angle you are looking at it from. You can have the attitude that, ah, hey, God can do without me. I have to be careful so he doesn't throw me away. That is true. That's a good attitude. But there's another attitude you must have that if he throws me away, I have reduced the, the amount of soldiers that he has to fight with. You must have that attitude. One of our brothers once was, was located abroad. What pained me was that, look, like I've been saying to you many times, people can go anywhere they want, none of my business really. But what pained me was that I had so much faith in him as an instructor with the word of God. And when he made his decision, I may be wrong, but when I looked at everything, I was not satisfied that he was improving the opportunities for him to express the gift of God to lead people in the path of righteousness for his namesake. I felt that comfort is directing his movement. I realized that our army just lost an important weapon. Yeah, that's a matter of fact. Look, that's how Christians are supposed to reason. You may make noise, hey, 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 corruption, corruption, Nigeria, 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 just realize something. There is something you are supposed to do that if you are not doing, corruption is getting stronger. Is a matter of fact. That is how believers are supposed to reason. We can make a lot of noise, but what God is doing is that the kingdom you are praying for. Remember those who started by, are you, are you, at this time, are you returning the kingdom? And he told them a parable. Yes, I can bring the kingdom. But one thing that is important is that each person must be ready to occupy his own place. Now, another thing we should bear in mind is that, did you notice that the people that he wants to use to occupy those places, he did not even tell them that that's what they were going to do. The master now. He just said to them, do what? Business with this until I come. Now, when he put them in charge, he didn't put them in charge of using more minas. He put them in charge of what? Cities. But it was while they were multiplying money that they were tested concerning what he would use them to do. I don't know whether I get my point. That is right now. Right now, you don't know what God is going to use you to do. There's no way you can know. I don't know. I only know what I've done up to this particular point. In five years' time, listen, I'm not trying to be modest. I mean it literally. I don't know what I'll be doing in five years' time. I just know that if I'm supposed to be teaching like this still, I will continue it and I'll continue to enjoy it. It's possible that in five years you'll say, all right, Banky, I'm back. Let's move you into certain cities. And they'll say, all right. I say, what kind of cities is that? Now, let me use one that sounds very spiritual. Say, henceforth, you are going to be controlling missionary agencies in South America, in East Africa, <laughs> and the Eskimo land in North, northern part of um, North America. So you'll now be moving up and down from one jungle to another. You now hear that Pastor Banke has disappeared from staying in Enugu. He now moves from East Africa to South America. And anywhere he goes, there ha, maybe I now become what we call an evangelist, what I call an apostle. You understand my point? Holding crusades everywhere. See, hey, I never knew this man could preach in crusade. Those days, all he used to do was just to be teaching. He would talk for two hours, he would be tired. I don't know whether you get the point. I'm just as an illustration. But what he's done is that for each season of life, is not only is not just preparing you for that thing to do in a bigger scale. Sometimes he's moving you to something entirely different. But many people don't realize it. They say, like that man making shoes that I was telling you about. 
You know what he's thinking in his mind? How many shoes will a man make before he buys a car? How many shoes will a man make before he builds a house? I beg, let me move on with my life. Are you getting my point? For that reason, he departs from where God prepared for him to be. No, made ready for what he will do when he returns. What is that thing? I will never find out. I don't know. The young man has run away. There are many people listening to me this evening. God is going to give them a small job, a small business. I know what he's using that one to do. To prepare them to be the one to kick out corruption out of Nigeria. Yeah, seriously. There are people that is preparing to become senators, to become governors. It is not the man that schemes to become a governor that will become one. I was reading the story of um, the vice president's father-in-law this morning. And it was interesting. They said, that, how did you feel when your daughter brought this man that wants to marry? He said, I realized that being a teacher, listen to me, did you hear what I said? <laughs> that because he's a teacher, he'll be able to lead my daughter right. That is, his father-in-law was glad to receive him as a son-in-law because he's what? It, he was a university lecturer. I don't know whether you get the point. It didn't cross anybody's mind that one day he will become the vice president. And we don't know what he will be much later. He's not old yet. You know, are you getting my point? Many people are having ideas. I must be president. I must be president. I must be vice president. So you know what they've gone to do? Join PDP. Well, God said that's not a pathway. It's not a pathway. The pathway is faithfulness where you are right now. The pathway is to take the letters that I've written to the seven churches. And that's what I'm talking about because I'm running everything off today. All right? We're ending it now. The pathway is to take the letters and go through your life one stage by stage, line by line, to be sure. You know what Paul said? I put my body under. Why? So that having been used to do all of these things, I will not become a castaway. That's what those letters are for. That's what the letters are for. The Lord is saying, in effect, listen, guys, kingdom must come, oh, but kingdom will not come except there are faithful servants for it to come to. That these letters have been written and they've been expanded to you over these last few weeks for you to prepare to be a faithful servant. For you to know what is important in life. You know, I didn't read it again today because of time. You know, the last, point, the last uh, church is what? The one in Laodicea. Let's, just, let's read that one briefly, and then I close. Remember, everyone that you see, to him that overcomes. Jesus was saying, you overcome, this is what I do. And what was he saying, in effect, I give you authority. I give you power. You know, we analyzed it before. Whether he's receiving a white stone with a name written on it, giving them authority to rule over the nations, to bring them with iron, you know, their iron rod, all of those things are his ways of explaining that I give people power and authority. Remember, the beast gets, the, the, he makes war, having collected what? Power and authority from the ten kings. And I'm explaining to us again, it's exactly the same principle that the Lord Jesus too uses. He gets his warriors. There are people that he has given power and authority. There are people, there are people he has given what? Power and authority. This is how Christians get power and authority. Listen, we can hear testimonies. This man spoke and rain did not fall. It doesn't come because he's a believer. It comes because he's called, he's chosen, and what? He's faithful. That was what Paul was going after. 
so that he will be one of the select ones in God's army. One of the ones that because of him, Jesus will win his battle against the ten kings, against the beast. That's the way it works. We must understand that we are, sub, we are called to be responsible in life. We are people through whom God ends iniquity on the earth. Are you getting my point here? There are little things we don't get involved in because, like I, I gave us an example at that time. There are things you don't do because if you did, you weaken your ability to pray in an area. Listen, for example, you won't cheat government on your taxes. For the simple reason that if you do, you can't pray again. You won't go, trust me, you won't go to hell. But when they're talking about ah, pray in the name of Jesus, prosperity, government, restructuring, God says, shut up, sit down. And when it tells all the Christians, shut up, sit down, what happens? Nobody's praying. Even though they are gathering in churches and shouting. Oh, power must be constant. Father, in the name of Jesus. The double Nepa tariff. That's power tariff. It's called what? Temptation. The one EDC man will now come to you and say, give me 5,000. I know how to bypass it. You won't be paying again. You can decide to fall for it. It's called stealing, but let's not go there. What I want to explain is that once you do that, you know what has happened? Your mouth has been closed permanently. You can no longer pray about the power sector. Satan has collected that from you. There are things that, look, there, there are rules governments will make, say, don't build here. And I say, what is it? You, you, you go to council, bribe everybody, and put a structure where government puts down that nobody should build. And you think that they will not know. You don't understand. God has, Satan has succeeded in doing one thing, shutting your mouth permanently in that area. Now that they want to pray about infrastructure development. Satan, will you shut up? And God can't listen. If he wants to listen, go and break that building down. Then we'll talk. Grace doesn't cover it that God will still listen even though the building is standing. God said, no, no, no. Break it down. Because you are giving the accuser power to talk. And every time Satan wants to weaken people, that's, Jesus was anointed. Like you have been anointed now also. But Satan said, what do I do? This guy is anointed. He's going to kill somebody. You know what we'll do? We'll take his power and his anointing and use it for us. So he went to Jesus and said, bow to me. What are you looking for? It's not kingdoms. You want to build church. It's not church. If your church is big, more people will be saved. The temptation of a good man is always a good thing. Oh, yes. So what do I do? Just bow to me. And what people don't realize is that what Satan is doing is trying to cripple their ability to use the power and authority the Lord has given them for the good thing that God actually prepared. So Satan will just come, bow to me. I give you all the kingdoms. You know, if you have all the kingdoms, are you not the king? No, you are the king. So you now write just laws. You write, all the laws will now be good. You are the king. There will be with all those ten commandments of Moses, you cannot enforce it with all the power that God has given you. And Jesus will now look and say, that's true. For those who don't want to believe, it's easy. Just jump down and show them they are really sent of God. And in case you don't know, that's how Jonah was believed. People believed Jonah because he came out of the belly of the fish. That's why the Ninevites all repented. So Satan said to Jesus, you, jump down also, you appear from the sky. Actor, James Bond. You know that kind of, gen, gen. You know Bruce Lee? <laughs> The, the Shaolin king just drop from the sky. G -g 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 All of you believe. Oh. So believe he came out from the skies. The dragon warrior. 
Satan offered that to him also. But he understood that this man is trying to take me away and bypass the cross. But he gave him simple scriptures. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God only. He is the only one you will serve. Now, what I'm talking about is that Satan, that was his strategy to weaken an anointed man. So you see what he's doing in your own life and my life today? You are anointed. What is his strategy? Listen, listen to me. Satan can't kill you. Don't say amen. Because if I say, if I, if you say amen, I think I'm praying. I am not praying. I'm giving you what? Information. Is that telling your shirt is white? Do you say amen to that? <laughs> say, Pastor Banky, you are married. I say, amen. <laughs> if I say amen, won't you wonder what's going on? Say, say Apostle, ah, I hear you. I say, amen, sir. So that's what I'm going to tell you. Don't say amen. I want to give information. See this your life? Satan cannot end it because he doesn't like it. That is a matter of fact. Witches can't wake you up from your sleep and say you will not sleep again. It's power they don't have. Don't say amen. Because if you say amen, you think I'm praying. I'm not praying. I'm giving you information. Let me give you information. The devil is afraid of the anointing of God upon your life. He knows you are dangerous. You are terrible. You are wicked to him. He knows. He knows if you set your mind on doing what is right, he can't stop you. He knows he can't kill you before your time. He knows all the witches in, in this world gather together and focusing all their psychic power on only you is just as good as Afopino. What do they call Afopino? There's one small insect. That's what you remember and describe them. Those ones that fly around the, this. Just enter the fire. What happened? He know, listen to me, he knows. He knows your certificate you don't have cannot stop what God wants to do in your life. He knows first class is not an advantage over third class. He's aware. But guess what? He's hoping you don't know. So he comes to you and says to you, you're on the pathway to making your second class upper. After which you get a job in MTN in the bank in the oil sector, and all the poverty in your family is over. And this man just says, you're a final year student. He's holding your project. All he has said is you sleep with him one time. Are you getting my point? And all of this will be over. After that, he's going to give you an A. Have you seen the way I painted it? For you, it's about sin, one small sin, whether God will forgive or not. For him, ha, ha, ha. It's negotiation. That after that, power and authority, he collects from you. Bam. Say, this case is closed. Let me look for somebody else to ruin his life. Many people fall. They get the first class, get the second class upper, and they start getting good jobs. They start making progress. And they start telling themselves, I feel bad, but thank God at least. Finally, I'm able to help my younger ones. What they don't know is that they will be helping the whole young generation of a whole country. They will never find out. They will never find out. You will know what you gained. You will never know what you lost. They will never find out. When Satan is negotiating, oh, he has sense. When he's negotiating, he has sense. Temptation, look, for Christians, it's not about who will catch me. Who cares who's catching you? It's about whether tomorrow you'll be able to talk and the earth will shake at the sound of your voice. And that's what God is looking for. For another Elijah to arise and say, why are they talking like this? Let it be no rain here. Did you hear that Elijah, God told Elijah, 
Let there be no rain. Let them just show up and say there will be no rain. Why? I'm angry. I'm, like we say, I don't provoke. There will be no rain. Until I say so. And like I say jokingly, <laughs> Ahab and Kwa better be praying that Elijah does not die. <laughs> Otherwise, until Jesus comes back, no rain. <laughs> they will pray rain and say, Elijah don't die. He's not here to speak again. That you'll be offering sacrifices. What's the sacrifice for? Lord, forgive Elijah of all his sins. He must not die. Why? We'll talk about it later. Just keep him alive until we find him. I hope you get my point. Go and read the story of Samuel. Do you know there was not anything Samuel said that did not happen? If Samuel woke up and said, Guys, the sun is rising in the west tomorrow. And it is set in the east. God will turn the globe round. Say, guys, sorry. Samuel said this sun has to rise in the west. At least for that day, everybody will see the sun rise in the west and set in the east. Then he will turn it back again. Why? They will say, why? He said, Samuel spoke. He has been introduced to the Father. The angels know his voice. Listen, people of God, that is what Jezebel is trying to take from us. That's why, listen to me, Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, which comes through the fellowship of his sufferings and being conformed unto his death. That's what Paul was saying. You don't get the power of resurrection because you have a fine car. I know how to speak English. Oh, Father God, we just worship you. Hallelujah. We raise up our two hands right now and we sing before that most holy throne. That's not what gives you that power. It is the fellowship of his sufferings and being made conformable unto his death. Without people like that, God, Jesus would not have enough of called people, chosen people, and faithful people. You know, my friend Pastor Courage sent me, you know, pictures. I should be forwarding to some of you guys. From Medugri, and I just I just think about it. Wherever I ran away from, a man got up and went there, organizing meetings, renting hall, going to IDP camps, organizing fellowship, doing ministers' training. I said, without people like him, you think that land has a hope? No, there's no hope. There's no hope. No matter how much God cleanses the place through all this trouble that has come, if the place is still empty, there is nothing he can do. He has to send men inside there. And I'm telling you, God is asking for who are the men, who are the women I will send in this generation to turn things around. All of us are wishing for great kingdoms to come to the earth. But Jesus said, listen, except I have enough people to work with me, it cannot happen. The church in Laodicea, we're going to read now, but for time's sake, let me just stop reading. The church in Laodicea, let's just pass a few more comments about it. The lesson from it, know what is important in life. That's the lesson from the letter to the church in Laodicea. Know what is important in life. Mark Zuckerberg, listen to me. As a human being, Mark Zuckerberg is not richer than I am. In literal terms. You know why? I don't know how to count riches in U.S. dollars. Are you getting what I'm going to say? And we know what God is saying. Stop counting riches in Naira and Kobo. That's what happened to the church in, in, in Laodicea. They had all the success principles. John Mason was a member of the church. Give me another person. Anthony Robbins. Give me another one. Hmm? Maxwell, John Maxwell, Stephen Covey. Thank you. They are all members of the church and they knew the power of networking. They knew how to multiple streams of income. That one was a member of the church. Some people talk about multiple streams of income. Me, I don't believe in all of those things because I realize that those are not things that matter in life. Income is not the focus of your life. You can have multiple streams of income bringing you multiple streams of trouble. Yes. 
They can bring you multiple streams of covetous spirits. As you're having multiple streams of income, they pour a spirit into you with multiple streams of expenditure. Have you not heard that when wealth increases, the amount that it is will increase? What profit is it to the owner that money is increasing? Please go and listen to our series, the book of Ecclesiastes. We're making noise as if I have multiple streams of income. Is that not why you have multiple streams of expenditure? As plenty of things are going for you, many things are going against you. It's just life. Just for God. <laughs> the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Listen, that's the story of the church in Laodicea. They said they were rich. They had everything. Listen, in life, ignore the thought of money. Stop plotting your life around money. Plot, it, plot your life around usefulness. Plot your life around faithfulness. Plot your li- life around exercising the gift of God inside you. God is judging and is not checking the bank account. Do you hear what I said? Yes. He's not using the bank account to check. He's not using the bank account to check. One day I saw the balance in our account, Kingdom World. This was a few years ago. It was plenty of money. You know how I interpreted it? I told one brother, I said, it's a sign we are not working. I don't know what I get my point. I checked Kingdom of Ministries account balance. It was good, good sum, a few millions of naira, good sum of money. So I said, this is a sign that we are not working. If we were working, the money would have gone. No, that was my own. I said, it shows you are not working. You should be on more radio stations. <laughs> you should be pl- planning more programs. Why should money be sitting there and looking at people's offerings? You think they gave it to you so we can be counting and saying, yeah, yeah, praise God. This ministry is prospering now. Can I write a check? No. I ended that year and said, God, we are so sorry. There's something we are not doing. There's something we are not doing. That's what, are you getting my point? Plot your life around what? Usefulness, faithfulness, exercising the gift of God inside you. God requires people that he's going to use so that indeed his kingdom can come the way we are praying for it to come. Let's bow down heads and give the Lord thanks. That's the end of the series. We are finishing it today. Starting from this book of Revelations, chapters 2 and 3. Just thank God for any understanding you gained from it over the last few weeks. Say, Lord, thank you for helping me to understand. Say, Lord, count me faithful. Help me to be counted faithful. Yes, that's it. That's a better way to pray. Say, Lord, help me to be counted faithful. Say, Lord, help me to be counted faithful. Say, Lord, help me that I may be counted faithful. Say, Lord, help me that I may be counted faithful. Let me just give you another one minute, because as you are talking, many things come up in people's minds. And those things must always lead to prayer. They must always lead to prayer. That's how grace works. It's when we connect with the power of God. That's how grace works. It's when we connect with the power of God, with our words, to tap into his ability to obey him. So pray. Just take a minute and pray. Whatever area. Temptations come. They are tempting. Say, Lord, help me to resist. Help me to obey. Help me so that I will not be like Demas. Help me that I will be faithful. Paul spoke concerning Timothy. Describe how faithful he had been in serving in the course of the gospel. 
Say, Lord, let my life count in the course of the gospel. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed.